The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. So the ghosts out in the hall, the paint peeling off the walls. Good night. Sometimes Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with my co-host Lauren Deller Blake. I keep women connected on air with information and conversation, and Lauren is the CEO and founder of Big Fish Nation, a business coach and committed to helping women entrepreneurs create businesses that are successful and sustainable. We need both of those. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. How about Good. you? I'm great. I'm fine. We've got lots coming up in this hour, you and I, and uh, let me talk about exactly uh, who our guests are going to be. First of all, we have two, we have, we actually have three guests. We have two women, Andrea Israel and Nancy Garfunkel, who are authors of The Recipe Club, and you can go to their website, therecipebookclub.com. Uh, so they're both going to be on the show, and their book is a novel about food and friendship. So, and it's all about women and food and friendship. Fun. Uh, yeah, they're going to be our first guests. And our second guest, guest is Tracy Anderson, and she is the author of Tracy Anderson's 30-Day Method, which has to do with losing weight and exercising, but she has a very unique way of doing this. It's called The Weight Loss Kickstart That Makes Perfection Possible. I didn't know that perfection was possible, but anyway, Tracy Anderson, is uh, she's authored this book, but she has also trained stars like Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jennifer Aniston, all the big, good-looking young stars, so... But first, I was reading your blog this week, as I always do, and uh, one of the topics that you came up with, which is something that I struggle with all the time, and I have lots of friends who do too, uh, celebrating success. Women have difficulty celebrating success in their businesses, maybe just in general, because I think we're in very general, critical yeah. of ourselves. And so you've addressed this on your blog. So I want to talk about this because I know for me, I'll have a success. I'll do something in in my work that people will, you know, other people would say, wow, look what you've done. And I'm like on to next to the stuff that I haven't been successful at, you know. So, um, and afraid to like, for some reason, afraid to really address or celebrate my successes. And I'm not sure why I can't do that. What is it about women that we don't want to celebrate our successes or that gets in the way from us doing that? I wish I knew the answer to that question. Well, you um, do. Your blog gives us answers to the question. Well, you know, I don't know why people don't. I just know that we need to. I, you know, I think we skip over it, so therefore we miss the richness of life. You know, we don't, we don't celebrate the things that we do really well or sometimes even acknowledge them. Do you think maybe the reason is, before we get specifically to the blog, Lauren, is that if we celebrate our success, there's something about well, I'm going to sort of the next thing I, I won't be, it's sort of, I, I, I'm going to not be successful. I'm afraid if I celebrate this and I'm bragging too much about it and I get too excited about it, things are just going to go down the tubes. I think that's exactly right. And I think we feel like we're bragging versus celebrating. 
So how do we celebrate success? We need to because if we have a business and we're doing well and everything isn't going to be perfect, but if we are doing well, in order for us to do better, we have to celebrate our successes. And notice, yeah, and notice what we're doing well even when things are lousy. You know, when things are lousy, we still do things well, and we skip right over it. Okay, let's help, let's talk about that. Big or small, it doesn't have to be an enormous success in your business. It doesn't mean that you made a million dollars this year necessarily. Maybe those celebrate those small successes. Exactly, celebrating getting a contract, celebrating you know getting um, a, a new uh, business partner that is you're going to do a project together. You know, someone else that's sort of on board with what you're on board with. That's always stuff to celebrate. And we make it, I think we make it smaller than it is. Yeah, downplaying our successes yeah. or. Yeah, it's interesting because I notice I have a couple of um, older friends. Actually, they remind me of you. You would love these women, and they are Thank amazing. You. Celebrate! <laughs> they celebrate everything. They celebrate every day. They're always celebrating something, and um, they're really fun to be around. And they're very successful. They both sold their businesses years ago, and they're just you know gallivanting around the world um, with the money that they've made from selling their businesses. And um, they celebrate little things. They laugh. They, you know, they they have good times. They make little. They the little things are the big things in life. So they make it fun. They make it fun. Yeah, make it fun. And I think that's really important. Yes, I think I tend to. Uh, yes, I do that. Um, you do, do why that. Why do we instead of celebrating our successes? I'm getting back to this again. I want to hone in on this. We overplay our failures. Yeah, we dwell on them, don't we? we? Dwell. Really well, and I can do, I can say the same thing. Like I get hung up on them, like give them way too much thought and way too much energy. Feel bad about it, you know. Wish I could redo it. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one, huh? Yeah. So, okay, celebrating our. You say on the blog, and I think there's. I want to just kind of hone in on some of these like very specific kinds of things. Yeah. That women can take a look at because celebrating our success, you say, or on Lauren's blog, and you can go to BigFishNation.com. Celebrating our success is important for several reasons. Let's take some of those very specific ones. Like, it, if we celebrate our success, it makes us aware of what we've accomplished. Yeah, it actually changes our energy so that we're looking at what we've accomplished versus what we haven't. Because we all have a to-do list that we feel is way too huge, and it's very, um, it's overwhelming. So if we focus on that, that's overwhelming. If we can focus on what we've accomplished, it boosts us up. And in boosting ourselves up, then we are able to go on and take bold actions to do something even bigger and better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The other one that I love is it gives us reason to take a moment to pause. And, I, you know, like many people, um, I can tend to just go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and therefore we miss moments. So I'm always grateful these days for, like, a traffic light because, oh, I get to stop, you know, and breathe and look around and pause. It's almost sometimes, and, and I don't, in my situation, you're right, not being able to pause and just I, the other day, oh, it was actually, about a, I don't know when it was, but anyway, like I had a cold, and this sounds ridiculous, but I had a cold, and so I had, couldn't go out and go running around and doing everything I wanted to do, but I, it was kind of nice because I had to stay in. I mean, I don't want to have some horrible sickness that makes me stay in, but just having a cold made me kind of have to, like you say, there was a red light. I had to sit kind of you tamper to, myself, take care of yourself. Just do what, yeah. I, what I had to do and not do all the other stuff, and I kind of like that. You know, I think we all to some extent do, and I, you know, there's a gift in, uh, not the illness necessarily, but the space that it creates, for, it gives us total full permission to take a break, 
And rather than wait till we get sick, what if we were to um, give at, when we celebrate something and give it, have that be full permission to take a break and you know to pause and to notice, pause for ten minutes, pause for an hour, pause for a day, whatever it takes, whatever people want to do. So, have you ever done anything in your business, let's say recently, uh, celebrating, creating our, you know, celebrating your success, actually following, you know. I mean, you have all the right stuff here in place about what we should do, but do you you do it too? I mean, you're always... I do it in moments, and then I really take... You know, I'm doing it much more consciously this year, um, very specifically, because I'm leading a group that we're going to be getting together at the end of the year, and I've been thinking very much about it, which is why this is on my mind. What is our content for this end-of-year retreat? And one half of it is going to be very celebratory, and then we're going to switch gears, obviously, to look forward to the next year. But we will... um, so, yeah, I, so there's a couple different ways. There's one big celebration that I'm going to be sure this group um, partakes in and be sure that it's very celebratory tone to it. Um, I've asked them to pack their party clothes, and they don't know what we're up to yet. I'm not telling them anything. Hopefully they're not listening. Um, yeah, at the same time, I don't think it's about doing it once a year. I think it's about doing it almost every day, just like we set intentions, just like we are um, looking at what we're grateful for, but to also set, um, you know, to notice throughout the day, what am I? What am I excited about? What am I? Um, what am I celebrating? And as you say on the blog, because here's the, the second or third point: the more room we make for celebration, the less room we have for criticism. It's so true. Because you can only do so much, and you might as well be celebrating rather than criticizing yourself and your work and what you're doing. Because you know what? You have plenty of people who will criticize you, the people who work for you, your family, your friends. It's true. So you really don't need to add to that. You can do it. Your, you know, you need to add to the, the celebrating your successes. And it's interesting because it's just, to me it's just a habit. Is the habit celebratory or is the habit criticism? So what if you're into this kind of critical, how do you get out of it? Oh, you know, I am not best. I am very critical. I'm critical of myself and just as critical of others. But I do think that it's, a, it's being conscious about um, our, our self-talk, our thoughts, and changing it. And I, said, I had a woman yesterday who said, I can't do it. And I said, you absolutely can do it. You absolutely can. It's, you know, it's just changing a habit. But you have to be conscious every day. And I think this woman in the business or somebody you were coaching said, I can't do it, meaning I can't celebrate, I just can't. I can't change the habit of criticizing myself. You know, it's part of who I am. I'm like, no, it's not. It doesn't have to be. You know, it can. It's an option. It's a choice. And I don't think it's wired necessarily to be criticizing ourselves all the time. No, it's not healthy. Because if we celebrate our successes in our businesses, this is what we're talking about, um, you say on the, this is another point that you make, celebrating our successes gives us additional motivation toward achieving success. Mm-hmm. The more successes, the more chances to celebrate. It's snowballs. So it, 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 it changes snowball. our attention from, again, criticism and, and what we haven't accomplished to what we have, which gives us more motivation to do more things that are more successful. So it snowballs. Another thing that I really like um, that you as, that you write about is that you say that every time you check off one task, let's say on your to-do list, and we all we've talked about to-do lists, you, whatever whether you have ten things or a hundred things, but you're checking off the things that you accomplished, you know, that you needed to do for your business during the day or the week. Take time to smile and say, excellent work. I like that. You can look at yourself in the mirror too and say, hey, you did a good job. That's fabulous. Exactly. Exactly, and because we, we wait for someone else to do it, and trust me, no one else is going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> not in my family, they're not. <laughs> not in mine either. 
I, so, um, we have to... I feel like half the time I'm under attack. I hope they're not listening either, but they do listen. But, you know, there's this barrage of criticism. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if they're not going to do it, you have to do it for yourself. And one of the things I like, you know, 15 minutes uh, each day, just uh, get a cup of coffee, write down all the successful things you can think of since the last time you were able to do the exercise. Hopefully you can do the exercise every day. And that's the habit, in my opinion, that um, if we can do that every day, you know, ten minutes, five minutes, even every day, it changes the it changes the energy of the day. It does change the energy it of does. the day, and it I think the, the energy of the day that Lauren is, and you always have this in most of of the the advice that you give or the coaching. Share your list with somebody else. Make it real. Share it with somebody else. So important because when you share. If you still share your celebratory successes with other people, it does make it real. And you know, I share. I like to share the things that even maybe it's not a. It's a success in the moment. It may not be complete, but it's something that um, you know I'm excited about. And sharing it gives people energy. They're like, oh my god, I love talking to you, and that is a good thing. You know, so that you're inspiring other people to go do other great things. Well, then other people want to be around you. It's true. Yeah, and they don't want to be around you if you are criticizing yourself and you know that's just not somebody they want to be around but this whole thing about writing it down make it real involve other people in your successes and then it obviously as you say it has that snowballing effect well we're going to take a break but coming up next in this next half hour is uh, andrea israel and her co-author nancy garfunkel finkel and they're the author of The Recipe Club, which is a novel about food and friendship and women and friendship circles and all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to MoiseAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnist. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And our guests this morning are Andrea Israel and Nancy Garfinkel. They're authors of The Recipe Club, a novel about food and friendship. Uh, Andrea is a producer and a writer for ABC's Focus Earth, and she has produced and written for Anderson Cooper 360, Good Morning America, Nancy Garfunkel. I keep saying Garfunkel. Garfinkel. Okay, I guess I think it's Simon and Garfunkel. Is <laughs> co-author of The Wine Lover's Guide to the Wine Country, and they have... Uh, uh, written this book, very interesting. This is a book for women, about women, a novel about food and friendship. Um, welcome to the show, ladies. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Yeah, we're very pleased to be with you. Great. Well, all right, so this is a unique kind of a book. I love it. It has recipes in it. It has, obviously, this relationship between this, these two women, and it combines the two. It's, a, it's been described, the book has been described as the perfect blend of fiction and food. So tell us, what, Andrea, we'll start with you. What, what okay. is the book about? What is the, re, the recipe club? Um, the recipe club is, well, the premise of it is that these two women who were friends for their entire life in childhood start a recipe club, which is essentially they send each other letters along with recipes about their, and the recipes are corresponding with things that are going on in their lives. So you start when they're about 10 years old and follow them through their entire lives and their relationship, which has all kinds of twists and turns and is cantankerous and loving and, you know, just it's life, actually, bundled up into a book. And the it begins, the, actual, the book begins with emails in uh, current time and then goes back into their childhood. So you follow them through the entire uh, length of their relationship. So, Nancy, how did you and Andrea decide to write this book? I mean, where did because this, this is a very clever idea, associating the food with the life experiences of these two women, uh, starting, as you say, at 10 years old. Uh, so uh, you and Nancy, what did you do? Sit down, collaborate? What was the process in getting to the point of actually writing this book? Well, we, we, first of all, we met uh, in Brooklyn through a real estate deal, 
and we both discussed at that moment that we were both writers, both liked to write fiction, and we became friends, and uh, we both liked to eat, we both liked to cook, and we both have strong feelings about women's friendships and about maintaining life, lifelong friendships with the attempt to do that. So we decided to, to exchange recipes, both of us, to, to, to write a book about ex- the exchange of recipes between characters. Both of us have had long-term uh, friendships with people with whom we have shared recipes over the course of our lives, and it just seemed like a great idea to do. Food is so central to everything that we are as humans. It's something that we share from the moment we're born. We eat. That's the first thing we do after we cry. And uh, we thought it would be a great premise for a book. So, Andrea, do you think that this, is this unique to women, you know, this recipe and relationships, or is this something that men would, would be interested in as well, or do you think this is kind of a unique kind of uh, sort of a format for women? Um, I, I think that, the, you know, the nature of our lives is that women predominantly still cook, although I think that's less so with, with current generations. But, but that said, we've had many men who are interested. We have a, a group of people who are forming a recipe club here in Brooklyn that are men. And we've had stories from men because it isn't just about cooking. It's about what food means in your life. And so what we're, I don't know, this is sort of segueing a little bit, but we started recipe clubs that have um, across the country. And we've been meeting with people who have been telling us their own personal stories related to food. And so they really, what it boils down to is that it isn't about what you can cook so much as what you've eaten and what you've shared and who you've done it with and what was happening at your life and you know in, in your life at that moment. And so we've had incredible stories about food and friendship from Are men and women and all ages and have all backgrounds across the country. Um, Specifically, what are the recipe clubs? I guess you can go online, the recipeclub.com. I mentioned that earlier in the show. But um, it's actually, if I may books? correct you, this is Nancy, it's the recipeclubbook.com. The recipeclubbook.com. Yeah, that's, in it. that's our website. And we, we'd love to share with you what it is because it's, it's the book, you know, it's, it's its own thing and it's a wonderful story, these two women. And it's really been the jumping off point for this phenomenon that's happening, which is that these the people are gathering in small groups usually in their homes and or in you know outside places in a restaurants or whatever, but to share stories and bring recipes and sometimes sharing food as well. We've had that happen in a number of places where people have brought the dishes that they're talking about. But they are bringing, it's a storytelling circle in which people sit down and convey, you know, about a certain memory they have of food, sort of Proustian, and then what that meant to them and telling about who the people were in their lives. And we can share very specific stories with you if we like. We have some lovely stories that have been told to us that are moving. And Yeah, I would like you to, to share a specific story because that's always interesting. Like, I'm sure you have hundreds of them, but, you know, tell us, give us an example. Nancy has a great one. She'll start and then I'll tell you one. Oh, I, I'll tell you a story about uh, a theme that we hear a lot about, which is about the the physical exchange of a recipe and how the importance of handwriting. So somebody told the story about her mother who made a noodle kugel, which is a, a sweet noodle dish, and uh, it was her family recipe. She got it from her aunt and, as a young bride and served it to her husband and her children growing up throughout their lives. This woman's mother died, and she found herself without this recipe. She was extremely sad because to her, the, the, this kugel was the taste of her mom. So she was really happy when her cousin wrote to her and said, you know what, I have a copy of this, and she did send her a copy of the recipe. So then this woman was very happy that she had you know, her mom's recipe. 
And she continued making it for years. It became part of her family's repertoire. And then she gets a phone call from her mother's best friend. This is years after her mother died. Her mother's best friend says, I have something for you. I've been going through things. And she mailed her a copy of this recipe written in her mother's handwriting that the mother had shared with this woman who was her best friend. And this woman, the best friend, was now sending it to the woman's daughter. And so she received this in the mail in her mother's handwriting that had been offered to her best friend in an act of sharing. And it was full circle. She felt that looking at the handwriting of her mother, writing the words for this recipe, was extremely meaningful. And it was, it was like almost like getting a taste of her mom. And I identify with that. I, I, I'm thinking, as you're telling me the story, I mean, I have recipes, and, and you're so right. When it's written in the hand, it's handwritten by the person who gave you the re- I have recipe. I have my grandmother's, and I was going to, you know, type it out or put it on the computer, and I thought, well, no, I have to keep. This is my grandmother's handwriting. This is her recipe in her yeah. writing. That's very different than... It's like It's like having the flesh of the person. It's an artifact. And, you know, it's interesting because that's what we've discovered. This is Andrea again. That through the book... It, in one part of the book we have emails, the other book we have letters, and what we've discovered is that letter writing, as we all know, is becoming a lost art. And when you lose the letter writing, you lose the handwriting, and you lose that connection to the people that you were, you know, with. Well, you so lose it, the intimacy. The, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's gone. Right. So we, uh, similar, another story that we got at a recipe club that we had was a woman in uh, grew up in New York City, and was very shy as a child, painfully, painfully shy. Her grandmother, they lived in a large building complex, and her grandmother would collect bread every week that was left over from people that in the building. They would know to give her their leftover bread that was going stale, and she would make bread pudding. And everybody in the building loved her bread pudding and looked forward to receiving this. And the grandmother would cook it on the weekend, and then she would send her granddaughter, who was this very, very shy child, out to each apartment to deliver the the bread pudding. And she said it was in the process of doing this that she broke through her shyness and was able to learn to become the kind of gregarious, loving person she is today. And she's now a doctor and is all about reaching out to people and, and taking care of people. And she really puts it on this incident, this uh, this time period in her life where she did this kind of thing. So you can see how food and what's around the food shapes who you are often. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, that story is a great story, and I, uh, the one about the doctor and going around in the apartments and um, sharing. Um, what about you personally? I mean, these are other stories, obviously. Are there any defining moments? Have, have there been any defining, let's say, Andrea, for you in your life that um, that you that had to do with 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 food, with recipes? There are many. I mean, I have I have memories of um, a cookie that was made for me by a woman who was like a grandmother to me, and how she and we would sit together and she would she wouldn't use a mixer. She would use she would beat the the cookie dough with her arms, very very strong arms. Something that if I tried to do it today the way she did it, I would be exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> and we would go and meet with her every weekend, and she would make these special cookies, and then. She passed away, and years later, I made them for my son Julian, and um, he and it was just it was evocative of everything I grew up with, and he adored them, and I felt like I'd brought her back with us. It was just such a, a moment of important sort of linking of time for me. And Nancy, what about you? Do you have a personal story that relates to this? You know, I I do. I have a funny funny kind of story. 
this story is about my sister and I when we were young kids, and my dad would bring home Dixie cups. Remember those? Uh, I remember Dixie cups, yeah. yes. But he would bring them home, and we would sit together and have dessert and wait for our Dixie cups to melt, and we would smush them around with those little wooden spoons, and they would become soupier and soupier. And as as over the process of them melting and of us mixing, we had a game that we played over and over that was called Faye and Ruthie, who were my mother's best friends in our building. And one of them was very bossy, and one of them was very passive and sweet. My older sister always wanted to be the bossy Faye, and I was always relegated to being sweet Ruthie. And we would mix our things up in these pretend acts of being these two women and and say, oh, well, my husband likes salt in his soup, and we would put in pretend salt. And I would say, well, my children like M&Ms in their soup, and I would put in pretend M&Ms. And, but the point was that we were sort of modeling our behavior after what we saw in the female community around us, you know, of our, our, my, our mother and of her friends, whose goal in life was to prepare food for their children and families and feed them well and happily. And so all this imitative female behavior of the 1950s was sort of replicated in our game. So this is, this is I tell you this story not because there's a specific recipe about making soup, but because it, it goes to the, f- the fact that recipe clubs are as much about memories around food as they are about actual the, the actual sharing of a specific recipe. Well, I, these are fascinating stories, and I have a few of my own. I don't know about you, Lauren. Do you have a story related to food? I mean, I, I, I my growing up in the uh, the late fifties, it was always that Betty Crocker cooking thing, which I used to do with my mother. But in the process of cooking with her and doing these Betty Crocker recipes, it all we. It, it created a, a sort of an intimacy between the two of us, so we would talk about things, maybe things that we wouldn't ordinarily talk about if we didn't have the the cooking in and sharing and and uh, and that whole process. So it kind of brought us together. Yes, it does very much do that. Just to jump on what you just said, there was a, a story we heard about a woman in Wisconsin whose mother and grandmother were estranged from each other. It was very painful to her because she really wanted them to be together and she wanted to find them. I want you to save that story. Is this Nancy? No, it's Andrea. This is Andrea. Okay, Andrea, save that story for when we come back. Oh, okay. Because we're going to take a short break. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You are listening to World Talk Radio and VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And our guests are Andrea Israel and Nancy Garfinkel, authors of The Recipe Club. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. What's holding you back from doing what you want to do? Is it fear? Is it other people? Is it responsibility? Live life to its fullest. Get inspired with Dick and Florence Noget will give you the tools you need to experience self-fulfillment and overcome setbacks in your life. If you wish to improve the world you live in, you can move forward and make a difference. Turn your dreams into action. Get inspired. You'll want to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back on Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, voiceamericavariety.com. You're listening to and World Talk Radio. Uh, our guests this morning are Andrea Israel and Nancy Garfinkel, and they're authors of The Recipe Club, a novel about food and friendship and women and intimate relationships, and um, I recommend the book and the website that you can go to if you want more. They have a specific website you can go to, which is the recipebookclub.com. Uh, the Recipe Club book. I, I'm never going to get that right. <laughs> Recipeclubbook.com. Uh, but before we took the break, was it, it Andrea, you were going to tell us a story about Right. I was jumping off of what you were saying, that I, the, the sense of family coming together. There was a lovely story we heard in a recipe club that we held in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And it, it was a story of um, – the, actually, I'm sorry, it was in New York that we heard this. It was a story of these, this woman who had a family in Wisconsin, but her mother lived here. Her mother had left a farm in Wisconsin where she had grown up and never went back. She had been estranged from – the grandmother, and so the woman we were speaking with was getting had been getting married, and she wanted to reunite the mother and grandmother, and there was a lot of resistance, but she convinced her mother to drive with her across the country to Wisconsin, back to the farm where she had refused to go, and they drove, and when they got there, it was very tense between the grandmother and the mother. There was just friction, and they, nothing was working, and she didn't know what to do, and finally the grandmother took out some potatoes and started making a potato salad, German potato salad that had been made in her family forever. And the mother slowly joined her, and they started working together. And by the end of when they served the food, the tension had been broken, and the two women were talking again, and the grandmother ended up coming to the wedding. And it was all done silently while cooking. All about the potatoes. <laughs> I love that. It's, what do you it's, think all, that it's all about the sharing. About it? I mean, what is it about food and cooking and the intimacy that it creates? Uh, we'll just talk about women. <clears throat> I mean, that's a great example. Um, but what, I think that, why do you think that happens? I mean, what I, you, I think there's just something primal about the, about feeding 
you know, about, about the care, the caring for others, the feeding of oneself. It's nutrition. It's the expression of love. It's sometimes the expression of obligation. There's all kinds of emotion that's often hooked up in, into the provision of food for others. You know, it can be for happiness or at a pure obligation. And, you know, it's biological. We, we feed our young. So I, I think that, you know, since this is something that we do, you know, we can't, even people who have food addiction issues have to continue to eat. So it's like you can't live without food. So it's a big part of everybody's life, and it's the one great equalizer. And, you know, it's funny. It's not an always associated with happy memories either, which is what we've been finding. And that's a lot of what's in our book. The food, there are wonderful stories in the book that are connected to, you know, torment or unhappiness or and as well as happiness and love and, and joy. But um, and, can, can I say something about the recipes in our book? are all named for in a moment that one of the characters is sharing with the other. So, you know, we, we'll have a, a, something that's mighty mass muffins, for example, where somebody is, is struggling in math and trying to learn it. That is in childhood, the childhood recipe. Or wild girl mushroom salad from one of the characters uh, finally, after years of repressed living, falls in love, has sex, loses her virginity, and... You know, she finally unleashes her inner self and, and finds her heart, and she shares the, the, the moment of her, of her wildness, of her sharing with her friend. In a, in a letter. In, in, with a, the in a letter with a recipe through the recipe club that they have. Another one is to have. That's a great story, too, losing your virginity. But uh, here's one, worry, worry-free waffles, because that's one of the recipes. That's one of the ones that I think I should start cooking. But uh, worry-free waffles, this is related to one of the stories. Can you talk about that one? Right. Um, in that one, the, the two girls write back and forth through the book, and they basically, um, there's a period, periods where they don't hear from each other a lot, but at this one I believe um, that she's... Lily, she, Lily she was worried about out. going... One of, the, one of the characters goes away to college before the other, and there, she, there's a separation anxiety that's happening between them, and one of them is anxious about staying home, and she's saying, you know... I don't worry about about me leaving, and also I'm not worried about having no parents and no rules, and no obligations, no worries about who might be upset. And um, she, I'll read a line from the book. She says, you think there'll ever be a time in my life when I'm not waffling back and forth about every decision, big or small? Uh-huh. And then she sends a recipe for worry-free waffles. That's yeah. That's a, I like that one. You've got. I mean, you can go on and on with each one of these. You've got about what eighty recipes in there. Yeah, yeah, over eighty recipes. Uh huh. What is warm amaretto milk? That's one of the recipes. That was a dormitory recipe when one of the co- one of the characters is in college and you can't really cook in college, so her friend sends her a recipe for using a hot plate to you know just warm up some milk with the amaretto. So, well, see, the recipes in the book are age and era appropriate. So in childhood, they're they're kid recipes using only the foods and ingredients that were available in the, you know, in the 1960s, and as they age and as ingredients change culturally, the recipes reflect that. So the recipes become more sophisticated, they become you know, more in tune with the food of the times and uh, the foods that are available. We like to say that we don't have any recipes in the 1960s that have arugula because we were only eating iceberg. That's right. So we, it, the recipes evolve. I like that. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was Andrea or Nancy, but, you know, food is not always associated with happy events and, and intimacy and good stuff. And as you talked about, you know, getting over this estrangement between mother and daughter, but it is, food is uh, associated with funerals, 
and with um, and actually can be used. You know, you talk about eating disorders and controlling uh, your children. Um, so, how does that, or does it fit into the book in any way? I mean, it, it does fit into the book very much. So, I mean, there the, a lot of what. Um, when they are miserable, they are unhappy. The food. I mean, we don't discuss de- eating disorders. That kind of thing. That's not in the book because we didn't think that'd be very appetizing. <laughs> but, um, but I think you know your relationship to food and what food means and the power struggle that goes with it. In this book, there's a lot of withholding sometimes of things. You know, through their sending of recipes to each other, there's and they'll withhold something sometimes because they're angry at each other. They'll send something that's about vindictiveness. There's a, a lot of jealousy that goes on between the two girls. And that's one of the things that people have related to is that the relationship is not just a nice thing where you watch them grow into older age. It's it's really difficult the way so friendship So it reflects their st- struggles and the food and the recipes that it uh, also reflects reflect the struggles that they have in, in terms of their relationship with one another, these two women. Right. It's not just about their interpersonal relationship either. They each talk about their family lives. Both of them come from families with difficult parents. One one character has a, a set of terribly narcissistic, hurtful and indifferent parents, and the other has a, a mother who has, you know, some psychological, deep psychological problems and a father who's quite passive. And they they each struggle with you know the, the cards they were dealt in terms of their family situations and and have long letters and long conversations with each other about how they perceive being in their families and how that's changing them or you know troubling them or, or giving them joy or pride whatever the moment brings them and then that is shared in a recipe. And there's also, am I talking to Nancy or Andrea? That was, that was Nancy. That was Nancy. Okay, Nancy or Andrea. And I always wonder when I read a book like yours, um, how much of this reflects you and your own families? Because yes, it's a novel, but is it is there anything that's somewhat you know a memoir or that you know it has you can you draw on your own issues with your own parents, your own siblings? I think any writer draws on their own life in the extent that you have a sort of emotional backdrop or background which paints who you are and, and who people are in general. So. Like, there's a lot of adolescent angst in here. There's a lot of, you know, family dynamic stuff that I think is sort of universal. And I think that's why people are reading and responding to the book. But um, it's not at all autobiographical in that sense. But it definitely has to, you know, I mean, we've all gone through the sort of how do you break away from your parents? How do you define yourself? When, you know, when are you able to recognize that your parent is a human being and, and has their own faults and how do you come to terms with that and all of that's in this book with the food. This is Nancy. We we really wanted to try to take a look at an authentic female friendship. So we we brought to the book all of the stories that women share. I mean for lifetimes each of us have had a lifetime of friendships with with other women who have shared their stories, you know, as females do together, you know, all this trouble sharing that people do. And, you know, you know, I'll tell a story about X, and then you'll respond by telling a story about Y, which is about your life, but, you know, it's tangentially related or sparked by my story, and then we leave that conversation feeling like we've both been heard. So that that is a lot of how this book works. And it's, to answer your question really directly, it's not autobiographical. It's fictional, and because we, it's a co-written book, and we did have two separate lives. It would be a little hard to have it be fully autobiographical. But but that said, we share experiences, and I think that's what what fed the book in many ways. Uh, and would you know what 
my next question is, maybe it's my last question because we only have a couple minutes left, but um, what has been the response, I mean, uh, to the book? I mean, because, uh, you know, I'm, and, and um, probably I would say from, from women, I, obviously men are going to read the book as well, but um, what has been the response? This response has been phenomenal, and we've just been hearing from people who feel that this they're seeing themselves represented by these two girls and or women, and that they really are grateful for for the emotional content of the book and enjoying the cooking and the food with it, and it's creating a sense of community. And we've we you know we've heard from people in Italy, actually men in Italy who are reading the book. <laughs> well, you would expect Italian men to cook and to cook well and to be able to respond. <laughs> one of the nicest things that we've heard, and we've heard this actually from more than one person, is that the book inspired them to reach out to an old friend with whom they'd had a rift. And we're really happy. We feel we're touched that we were able to touch other people's lives in this way through writing fiction. It makes us very happy. So people, somebody told us a story about contacting her old college roommate to whom she felt that she'd been mean after college ended when she couldn't be there for her emotionally the way the friend wanted. And after reading the book, she thought, you know what, I need to call her up and say I'm sorry. And she did. This has been giving I mean, this the recipe club, a novel about food and friendship. Uh, we're going to say goodbye. Andrea Israel and Nancy Garfinkel are the authors, but you are just helping people mend all kinds of relationships with this book. So, uh, I mean, you're talking about all kinds of different estrangements. I think that's you're you're social workers with a okay with a pen. With a pen, yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. You can buy the book online and at bookstores everywhere. Thank you so much. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Coming up next, we have uh, another guest in this next, uh, this next seg is uh, Tracy Anderson, and her book is Tracy Anderson's 30-Day Method, The Weight Loss Kickstart That Makes Perfection Possible. So she's talking about exercise and losing weight, and she has trained stars like Kate Hudson, Courtney Cox, uh, Jennifer Aniston. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And uh, I'm here with uh, my business coach and business coach, Lauren Beller-Blake, and we're talking to Tracy Anderson. Tracy Anderson has written a book, the title of which is 30 Day, Tracy Anderson's 30-Day Method. This is the weight loss kickstart that makes perfection possible, which I never knew that perfection was possible. I don't know if it's possible with <laughs> don't me, that the wrong but way. Uh, looking at the cover, and I assume that it's Tracy on the cover of her book because she looks perfect. Um, this is like a really interesting book. She is a, uh, a trainer. She's trained, as I said before, I think uh, in the last half hour, she's trained stars like Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jennifer Aniston. Um, and her book is described as a revolutionary program. So we want to find out what's revolutionary about it because there are a lot of exercise programs out there. What makes this different? Welcome to the show, Tracy. Nice to have you on. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> for having me. You make me cringe, though, at the perfection part because it's just you can take that a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look perfect. I mean, I don't well, know how you – I mean, to me, um, you know, 30-day method it sounds good, uh, is revolutionary, um, but what makes it special? What makes it di- different? What makes yours exercise program and weight loss thing stand out above all the rest of them that are out there? Well, it certainly, first of all, isn't a 30-day method, but this is, if I get can get you for 30 days when you are, I know anyone, whether they're really far gone on, you know, uh, in terms of gone, they've gone the other direction in terms of being unhealthy, you know, and they have a lot of weight to lose and they haven't been moving for a long time, or if they just even don't have the shape that they want, if I can get them for 30 focused days, I know that I've got them for the, for the they're going to be a student and they are going to be able to own the lifestyle. So I, in reaching out to my um, clients that are, you know, that I don't get to see every day, my, you know, at home clients, I, I wanted to start with a book because it's, it's a big deal what I've done and it's a big it's a big commitment, and it's a and it takes a lot of dedication. But the the behind it, why I'm different, is that I've spent you know over a decade researching and creating the content that supports the outcome of why most women do work out to start with. And I personally started my journey as a dancer, and at 19, you know, I was a very talented dancer, and at 19 gained you know, almost 40 pounds at School for Dance in New York, and there was not a solution, and I tried everything in fitness possible. So I, so did you know, that ruin having... your dancing career at that point? Were you, sabot- it sounds like almost like sabotaging your dancing if you were, like there you are, you're studying in New York, and then you gained 40 pounds. Um, well, I certainly didn't try and gain 40 pounds, but as as women, you know, hormonally our bodies change and genetically we're given you know, different, different, I mean, we can all gain weight for different reasons at different times. And I, when I went to college, it was, you know, in the early 90s, it was during the fat-free, you know, everything's fat-free craze. And, and, you know, you don't, and plus, we, this was before all of the, like, eliminating carbs and all these different, you know, re- crazy diet restrictions to stay thin. And, you know, I didn't overeat. I wasn't, you know, I just, I gained weight. My father is very heavy and, 
and I gained a lot of weight. And so I certainly absolutely wasn't trying to sabotage my journey at all. In fact, I have a, a very, very, very strong um, work ethic, but I, I didn't want to, ha- I couldn't have an eating disorder. I wanted to, but I couldn't. <laughs> so I tried to, you know, over-exercise to get the body that they wanted me to have, and, and it didn't work. I, the, the exercise programs worked, but then they weren't the outcome of that of a dancer. And so I learned early on that you are how you move, and I stayed very focused to trying to figure out how to how can we use the muscular structure to actually get what we want, which is why the perfection is in there because most women do give time, really good time to their workout programs and they are focused and then they don't get to what their idea of their goal is or whatever their idea of perfection is. So then they say, you know what, this is because my grandma has these hips or this is because I have had three babies and but this is just how I am genetically, and I can't do anything with it. And that's just entirely not true. Yeah, I hear that all the time. And those those two or three excuses that you just gave are the ones that I always hear. It's in my genetics. Everybody has big hips in my family, or all the women have big thighs, or whatever it is. And uh, and then they stop. But yes. Um, so Tracy, but you mentioned one thing that I, I, I that I think is interesting. You say that. Um, your muscle. One of the things that you you mentioned, you say that your muscles get bored when you do the same exercise over and over again, and I'm guilty of that. I mean, I don't think I even exercise enough, but let's. I walk four miles a day, but I'm just doing the same thing, and I'm beginning to feel that. I'm just doing the walking and using those muscles. Um, I'm thin, but I, I think that I need to use other muscles. I think, which is one of the premises of your book. You got to be using all your muscles, right? Yeah. There's no strategy behind. You know, walking. There's no there, and, and there's no strategy behind, even in conventional forms of fitness. When you're with a trainer, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna do. We know exactly how a bicep works, and we're going to do bicep curls now." And then, you know, you, oh, you, you're okay with three pounds. Now we're gonna go to five. Now we're gonna go to eight. Now we're gonna go to ten. That's the worst thing that we can be doing, especially as women, because we need balance. We need a connection to our bodies. And we need to keep our small, everyone actually, not even just women, but our small muscle groups, they have to stay as, as players. And when you walk, it's good that you walk, but all you're doing is working the same muscles in the same way over and over and over. So by the time you're in your 30s or 40s, your small muscle groups, they're going to be atrophied. They're going to have no reason or purpose or motivation to do anything strategic or powerful for you. And then your skin's going to start to sag, and you're going to get cellulite, and you're going to, you know, and you can walk and walk and walk, and nothing's going to happen. So, and it, it, sadly enough, even most people that work out, their hamstring, which is one of our large, I mean, it's just a massive muscle, the hamstring is one of the first muscles to atrophy because we sit so much throughout the day. So you can imagine that if in your 40s that happens, how early on the things that actually can do some powerful things for you stop working for us. And the problem is is that you also can't just go from trend to trend to trend in order to try and keep those muscles awake because each of the trends has a different outcome and none of them have enough content to keep them awake and alert. It's like a Cinderella effect. They get, they get smart fast, they get strong fast, and they get stupid fast, which is why people are always on to the next trend or on to the next trend. So I've created over 3,000 moves and sequences that, that have the same outcome. If you want Giselle's butt, then I'm going to give you Giselle's butt and keep it there because that's what my sequences create. So it's not that I think that every woman needs to be this like teeny tiny little, you know, version of perfect. That's not my, my, my goal at all. But 
I, when I decided to start doing this project, I thought, you know, I want to, I'm going to, if I'm going to do all this work, then I'm going to have the outcome be what I think most women want to achieve. You know, they, they, they want a nice lifted butt. They want a balanced, you know, they don't want large abs that are, you know, it's, you know, like a big male six pack. They yeah, don't, and you know, you, you know, want, so I don't want that or I so, do. I mean, I'll see these women, they, they look like, yeah, they're all buff and pumped up, but it's, it's not necessarily attractive is what you're saying. Um, I don't so find it attractive also, personally, and it this book, is my life's work, so. <laughs> you combine the exercise, but you also have recipes. So you have both. You have the, you know, what the, the, the appropriate recipes, um, and you also have the, um, the, uh, the uh, exercise and the workout as well. And you have a, yeah. we only have a couple more minutes, so you also, and you have a DVD. So talk to us, like, if anyone, you know, listeners, women who want to get involved in buying the book, getting involved in the program, DVD, what do they do? What? Yeah, I, I take my position as not only as an expert but as a teacher very seriously. And when I was approached to do a book, I was adamant that a DVD go in it because I can't even tell what goes in between one photo and the next. And the muscular structure work that I'm prescribing in the book is so important that they do it right. So it's nice to have the book after you've got the imagery in your head and you know what I expect from you, but it was important to me that they have that support because I'm a little results-obsessed with anybody that's going to give me their, you know, their, their trust. And the, the, I'm not a diet for life prom, promoter at all. I do not believe in women getting the, their self-confidence and their feeling good from diet restriction because we have such an emotional connection to food and it's a good thing that we do. It's, you know, culturally emotional and socially emotional. And it's like, I believe in the family table and all of those things. But I only ask that they do the diet in the beginning because unfortunately most people have gone overboard in the other direction. So I need to recalibrate their, you know, they're, they're the way that they look at food and, and get their weight off, quite frankly, quickly while they're becoming good exercisers. Then we can keep and it I off. I think we're going to end exercise. on that, getting the weight off quickly while you become good exercisers. I mean, that's the goal of the book. Keep. So you can buy the book, bookstores everywhere, because we've only got about 30 seconds. It's, yep. um, the title of the book, again, is Tracy Anderson's 30-Day Method, the Weight Loss Kickstart that Makes Perfection Possible, you say. It is possible. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Uh, you've been listening to World Talk Radio and VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Lauren Deller-Blake. Um, I hope you had a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.